0: On today's episode of The Bop, I'm sitting down with my friend Garrett Graveson, who just got back from visiting all 197 countries in the world to talk about all the lessons he learned over this 21-year journey. You are in for a treat.
1: listening to The Bop, the Business of Photography podcast with Rob Green, a photographer to contagiously positive clients and fierce believer in building people-focused businesses that leave a lasting impact. If you're an entrepreneur with dreams in your head, ideas in your heart, and passions burning deep down in your soul, this is the perfect place to be because this is where dreams come to thrive. So, are you ready to build your business, wow your clients, and make photo magic? Here's your host, Rob Green.
0: Coming at you from Fort Worth, Texas. This is episode four of The Bop. My name is Rob Green. I am so thrilled to be here with you for yet another episode of this podcast, The Business of Photography, or as we like to call it, The Bop. Today is going to be a really incredible episode. I cannot wait. My friend Garrett is coming on. He just got back from visiting all 197 countries in the world. And when I say just got back, like he got just got back from number 197. This took a long time. But this guy has collected so many leadership lessons and life lessons, over his years of doing this, that it is just going to blow your mind. And so I want to let you know right out of the gate too about something that we're doing a little different with this episode so that you can be planning for it as you're going through and listening. We are saving all of our questions for Garrett ...for a separate episode of The Bop, just a bonus episode that we're going to release later. And so as you're listening to today's episode, as you're thinking about questions, write them down... ...and then hop on my Instagram, at square8studio, and leave me a voice message. Include your name, where you're calling from, and what your question is. And we are going to do a whole bonus episode full of just listener questions getting to every single one that we possibly can so that you guys can receive some encouragement and insight and leadership from Garrett, because this guy is a incredible, incredible wealth of knowledge. So with so much in store for today, I want to jump right into today's Bop Bite. Remember, Bop Bites are these little bite-sized pieces of goodness that you can take with you. Even if you only have a few minutes in your car ride, you can get something out of this episode of the podcast right now over these next few minutes together. And today's Bop Bite is this. It comes courtesy of my pastor back home in Atlanta. He says, Whatever you say yes to in life means less room for something else. Make sure your yes is worth the less. I have so many conversations with photographers that have all these big dreams for your business, and maybe this is you. You have all these dreams, but you feel like you never have time to achieve those dreams. And what I find most commonly when I have these conversations with photographers is there is a misalignment of the things we value and the way we spend our time. And so here's a really simple exercise that I'm going to give you in today's Bop Bite to help you figure out if you are one of those people who has some misalignment to work through. And this is how it goes. I want you to take all of the things that you have said yes to in your life, whether that's soccer practices, whether that's PTA roles, whether that's choir at church, whether that's uh, volunteering at an organization, whatever it may be, They're probably all great things that you've said yes to, but just take all the things you've said yes to, including things with your business that you've said yes to, and make a list of all your yeses. And then what I want you to do is I want you to rank those in order of how important those things are to you. And as you're ranking them, take note of where your business fits in the list of all your yeses. Now, once you've made your list and once you've ranked it in order of how important these yeses are to you, the next thing I want you to do is write out next to each of your yeses how much time you give to each of those yeses every single week. And once you have taken all of your yeses and assigned a length of time to them that you're spending on these yeses, I want you to reorganize your list again based on the most time that you spend to the least time that you spend. Again, Take note of where your business fits on this list. For most people, what winds up happening when you go through this exercise is you are going to see that on the values list, your business is pretty high up on the values list. But on the time ranked list, your business winds up being a lot lower on the time ranked list. And so what I want to encourage you to do is ask yourself as you're looking at your lists, Are there things in my life that I've said yes to that aren't as important to me as my business, but are taking up time that is cutting away from my ability to achieve my business dreams? Because whatever you say yes to in life means less room for something else. So make sure your yes is worth the less. We'll be back in just a minute with what I know is going to be an unforgettable and for some of you life-changing interview with my friend Garrett Graveson. <laughs> Look, I get it. You're a natural light photographer. You don't like your flash. You don't wanna shoot with it by choice, but you do need to know how to shoot with your flash. If you shoot weddings or in-home sessions, it's just kind of one of those things you gotta know. Wouldn't it be nice if you could learn flash without all the fancy language, without needing to be a rocket scientist? Join me, Rob Green, for a free one-hour flash class where I'll give you three secrets to easily unlock your flash's potential. And I promise, no PhD required. To sign up for this free class, visit us online at square8studio.com/flashclass and you can become friends with your flash today. All right, we are back. And y'all, you are in for a treat today. Uh, Today's guest is going to blow your mind. As you know, we love to introduce our guests on the BOP, not by what they do or what they've accomplished, but by who they are as people. Huge believer that it's always a good idea to decide who you're going to be before you decide what you're going to do. And y'all, today's guest is one of the most hilarious, spontaneous, unpredictable people you will ever meet. The guy that crowds are gathered around at every park and the first one on the dance floor busting out a move. Basically like the total opposite of me. But he's not just the life of the party. He's got a brilliant business mind as well. He's an innovator who thrives on collaborative thinking, and he's an inspiring leader and communicator who loves helping people like you and me unlock our courage and unleash our potential in life. And having heard so many stories from our listeners about where you're at in your business journey, I have a feeling that the wit and Wisdom that our guest today shares with us is going to be a breath of fresh air and wind in your sails. So please welcome one of my longest running friends to the BOP, Garrett Graveson. Garrett, how you doing, friend? <laughs>
1: great. That was a great intro, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wow. man. Well, Garrett, I I know you are a hero to a lot of people, uh, and I know a lot of my audience is just getting to know you. And, you know, all great superheroes have an origin story. And I feel like nothing could bring my audience up to speed on the origin story of Garrett Graveson faster than to go back to the time you ran for high school class president and wrapped the entire speech. (laughs) What were you thinking? Well,
1: I thought I had nothing to lose, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if your (laughs) listeners were popular in high school, but I certainly was not. So uh, I think I was running against the the cheerleader in high school. So if you think back to your high school days, some people have good memories, some people have bad memories, but we all have those. We weren't really sure of who we were. So I said, I guess if I'm running against the the school cheerleading captain, I got to do something different. And I think different is a word I'd love to... To focus in on uh, the ability to not be afraid to be different. And so I, uh, you know, I, I I'm from Atlanta. I loved rap music growing up, kind of the aliens. You we know, were the home of rap music here <laughs> in the ATL. So from Outkast and, you know, Big Boy and, uh, you know, TI and so many great rappers have come <laughs> out of Atlanta. I said, why not give this kind of skinny guy a shot live on stage in front of the entire high school and turn my speech into a rap? I uh, I remember 50 Cent uh, had this great quote. He's like, 50 Cent, go ahead and switch the style up. And if they hate, let them hate and watch the money pile up. Um, (laughs) No money was made that day, but a victory certainly was in hand. And uh, I wrapped my way to a victory on that day. And it kind of set a long path. And uh, what I can now look back on, kind of the Steve Jobs, connect the dots backwards is the only way you can do it, of a life of being okay
0: with being different. Mm, That's good, man. And yeah, I know that that rap was definitely only the beginning of this like insatiable desire that you had to be different and to create these wow moments wherever you went in the world. Uh, You went on to run for student body president at UGA and ran on a rather unusual campaign promise. Tell us about that. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. So I, so I want to start this interview. I, I always had one life motto and it, it's kind of served me well, but it's been kind of contrarian along the way. And the life motto is simply this. If it's not wow, it's not worth doing. And I'll repeat it because it's kind of funny and it's easy to remember. If it's not wow, it's not worth doing. And so at a school of 30,000 people like UGA I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure most people really care about student politics. So when you're going and speaking to these clubs and organizations, fraternities, sororities, they just want you to get in, get out, and they don't really care. So I'm like, how can I make them care, right? Um, well, I need to do something wow. I need to do something different. I need to do something that will capture the imagination and stand out in, in very, very you know, short amount of time. So instead of talking about platforms and promises, I had the idea to talk about push-ups, And people are like, wait, what? And I said, listen, if you vote for me, I'm kind of an underdog. I can get the job done, but a lot of people can get the job done. But I want you to remember this when you go into the ballot box. If you vote for me, for every vote that I win by of 30,000 people, I'll do one push-up for every single vote that I win by on campus, (laughs) in the main plaza, every single day, and you can come out and watch and we got so many people that didn't care about politics, that only cared about push-ups, and maybe watching me die <laughs> in the plaza <laughs> at UGA. And, uh, and that singular slogan alone, uh, the, we call it the push-up party, and, uh, and we won. And, uh, and thank the Lord, it was in the 225-year history of UGA, it was the closest margin of victory I mean that is a godsend. Like, I, if if you're people watching or people of faith, uh, that is the biggest godsend of all time. I won by fifty-eight votes, and I could at least do fifty-eight push-ups. <laughs>
0: Unreal. Oh my gosh, man. I love that. And actually, as you're sharing that, I'm sitting there going, this is great because we have a lot of uh, photographers listening interested in the college and sorority market. Obviously, I do a lot of that at TCU. And I love that because I'm sitting there, when you were talking about going into the sororities, fraternities, talking about things, you're right. Like, there's so much going on in their world and in those meetings that – You have like a really brief moment when you get invited to a chapter to make a lasting impact. So, man, I I love that. I'm totally using that next time I go in and speak to a sorority about photos. That's great. Um, Now, from UGA, you weren't done there either. You go on to the Harvard Business School where obviously only the (laughs) finest, most distinguished scholars gather to learn. But it wasn't really finishing top of your class that you had in mind here. You had another kind of wow idea in mind. What was it that brought you to Harvard in the first place? And what was your goal at this leg of the race?
1: Well, I always love interviews where people are just brutally honest and completely vulnerable. (laughs) So what brought me Harvard was not getting into Harvard before. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> I, uh, and it probably goes back even further than that. If we want to go back to the high school, since I've known you, my girlfriend in high school got into Harvard and then broke up with me and broke my heart. And so I've had this like heartbreak to Harvard saga and drama my whole life. And I said, you know, one day it'd be interesting to get in there. Not for the fact that I want to use it as a catapult. So if you think about this, uh, Harvard's a global community, and I love travel. We'll get into that in a second. But it's really kind of to your point. These unique and interesting people that are top of their class that want to use that as a springboard to the next job. Well, I love Atlanta, and I love my community here, and I had a great working relationship with Chick-fil-A. They're like, let me get this straight. You're a guy that works for a chicken company in the South, and you're at Harvard. And I'm like, yes, and I'm very proud of that. Um, but, but I had my own consulting firm that I co-founded with a great friend, Kevin Scott. And, and I didn't go to Harvard trying to one-up anybody. Mm. I went to Harvard trying to make connections with people. And I think you never know where connections will lead, and you never know what connections can do. But I was not there to try to network to get a fancy job on Wall Street or to get the next best consulting job, banking job, private equity job. I went there to meet people. And I said, I'm totally fine going back to where I, I came from with just a lot of great connections. And I was the guy that spoke to the janitors and I spoke to the, you know, the people that you know, cleaned the classrooms and you know, worked in the kitchen and, and I had all these great, great memories from all these interesting people, because I always like to say, every person has a name, every name has a story and every story matters. And I'm gonna say that again, every person has a name, every name has a story and every story matters. And I don't care what company you came from to get into Harvard or what professor you are teaching on in, in front of the classroom, everyone on this campus matters. And I wanted to use my time there to get to know everybody and and funny enough, oh. ended up landing me as the as the person that got to speak uh, as my class speaker for graduation at at Harvard Business School.
0: Unreal, amazing, uh, yeah. So you got all these people that come in probably aiming for that opportunity, you know, wanting to to have that, and you went and said, "No, man, everybody has a story. Every story matters. I'm going to spend my time getting to know people and building relationships." And you wind up get, getting an opportunity that. <laughs> Tons of other people would have killed for and were probably busting their tails for. Um, Man, so out of all three of these things, you know, being the scrawny little white kid with a country accent rapping in front of a multicultural student body or promising push-ups for votes in a school of 30,000 and giving a commencement speech to a graduating class at Harvard, which of these terrified you the most? (laughs) all of them.
1: (laughs) Um, I I think, you know, I I feel comfortable in my skin. So speaking from the heart, I I was never going to be the smartest speaker at Harvard, obviously, but I knew I could give Mm. my own story. I think when people are vulnerable and they just lean into who they are, I think speaking can work, right? So whether it's speaking and rapping or speaking and, you know, being vulnerable, Mm. I was always comfortable with speaking I'm not comfortable with my physical fitness, so so I would say the push-ups, over 30,000 of them on the line, was definitely the most terrifying. I'm just glad it was a very, very close race.
0: For sure. No. Well, and I love that too, because I think, you know, there a lot of people listening may not ever give a speech uh, up in front of a bunch of people or may not ever have to do um, public speaking like you've done. But I do think we do have to do a lot of as small business owners have to do a lot of speaking to our audience through social media and even hopping on an Instagram story can be scary. So I love what you said there as far as just like being true to who you are and being willing to just be real and be authentic and be you. I think there's there's a ton there for us to to take away. Now, I I know you've already shared quite a few hilarious stories with us, but uh, all these crazy adventures of yours really took on a whole new level of gravity and significance um, following a conversation that you had with your dad. Can you unpack that conversation for us a little bit?
1: Yeah. So I want people to think about this idea of time, right? And so we get so caught up in money. And I think there's a great quote I always heard that was, uh, and it doesn't always feel this way, but I'm going to say the quote: "You'll run out of time before you run out of money." Again, you'll run out of time before you run out of money. Now, I've been super poor. I, I lived at my dad's house till I was almost 30 because I was starting a nonprofit. Uh, finally, got that to work, and then got consulting to work, and then. So I know what it's like to be poor and feel like that's terrible. But but I do think the older you get, the more you realize you're going to run out of time before you run out of money. Mm-hmm. So I've always used the ability. If I had extra time, I'd do it for something experiential. I, I would try to see and learn and meet and create. And for me, that was travel. Travel was the through line in my life, and I love travel. But I always wanted to get my dad to do it as well. And so typically when you think about travel, you think about a birthday or a significant event. And so my dad was like, well, when I turn 50, we'll travel together, and it didn't happen. And then when I turned 60, you know, we would travel, and it didn't happen And so finally, my dad retired. He worked 40 years in the insurance business. We did not come from money. He sold insurance his whole life. And I love my dad. He was my hero. And when he finally retired after working 40 years, I was so excited. We're going to get to do a father-son trip. It's what I dreamed about. After 40 years of working, he retired. And 30 days later, he found out he had stage four cancer and a year left to live.
0: Wow. Wow. It's
1: like life is unfair and no one hopes for that or wants that or wishes for that at all, but it's reality and we all have our own stories. We all know someone that's got cancer or gotten sick or got in a car accident too early, too soon and, and we think that we have time and it, it's one of these, these myths that I think that we always think we have enough time and we don't. And so after nine rounds of chemo and 10 rounds of radiation, which just beats up your body, um instead of going through that that last tenth round of radiation, the doctor said, Hey, we've only got quality of lifetime now. We can either beat up mm. dad's body or we can take him off of this, and you can have a, a few weeks left.
0: And
1: I said, screw it, let's do it. Richard Branson quote, like we're taking him off this and we're gonna do one father-son trip. Wow. And At that point I had a license to take Americans down to Cuba. Cuba's not too far away, it's only a few hour flight. And when you're, you're, you know, battling cancer, the absolute last thing you need to be doing is smoking big fat Cuban cigars. But that's exactly <laughs> what we did. Time of our life in a cherry red classic car from the fifties with my dad. I bought him one of those straw hats and the biggest cigar we could find. And it was our last real moment that we had together. And my dad said, I don't want you to wait, but more importantly, I want you to do something now that you would be insanely proud of wow. and do it now. It's like, I want you to do something you'd be insanely proud of and do it now. And my dad passed away a month later. And I carried wow. that with me this idea of how do you get people to step on the other side of fear, to have this courage. I call it these 10 seconds of insane courage between stimulus and response. There's this window where we can say yes. We may not have it all figured out. We may not know the next step. We may have all these fears and we can talk about that. But there's a window of opportunity. And I wanted to take that message, that message from my dad, kind of his last words of wisdom. And I thought about like, what would I be insanely proud of and to me, it was, what if I took that message literally to every corner of earth and shared that message of 10 seconds of insane courage and stepped foot in every single country in the world and tried to share that message with as many people as possible? And so I set out. The record was 197, Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, I think there's less than 300 people in the human history of, I don't know human history, but it seems like a long time that I've ever done it. <laughs> And I said, that would be an insane goal, but an insane goal with a mission tied to a higher purpose of of this message. And that was my message from my dad, and that was the mission to go try to accomplish it.
0: Wow. Okay, so note to self for future episodes of the bop bring uh, tissues into the studio with me holy moly i i hope I hope you all see what I mean when I say this guy is hilarious and has great stories, but he 's also got great uh, significance and impact to his message and his desires uh, and now we see why rooted in uh, really just remarkable their challenge from your dad and I love the way you you just even took that challenge up and decided, you know what, this is going to be what I make my life about. Um, You took something that was no doubt extremely painful and hard for you, would have been a reason for a lot of us to go, all right, I'm just folding in the towel. Like, I imagine there's a lot of grief you're wrestling with, a lot of just anxiety, depression, all that comes with those things. And then you instead take all that and go, we're going to fight through those things, and we're going to bring purpose to what we're walking through right now. Uh, it's unbelievable. Now, I imagine that if I were to take this challenge on, I'd go about it in a very pragmatic, efficient way. But you you decided in typical Garrett Graveson fashion, you were going to have a little fun with it and bring a little wow to it. So share with us some of just the crazy little antics and wow touches that you put into this journey towards 197 countries and visiting every single one of them?
1: Yeah, so it's very hard, and a lot of times to do something like that, you really need a singular goal, right? Well, it became really crystal clear that was going to be my singular goal in life, but you have to start somewhere, and so when my dad passed away, I ended up taking all of our stories, all the research I've done on grief and fear, courage and resilience, and I ended up writing a book called 10 Seconds of Insane Courage, the number 10. So 10 Seconds of Insane Courage. And it was really, hey, there are eight fears. They're all human fears. We all face them. I'll be the first to raise my hand. I face every single one of them almost every single day. Um, so I'll be the, the first one to step out there and say it, it's it's natural to do that. Um, but what's unnatural and a little bit hard and a little bit tough is to, is to push yourself through it and create the habits Of getting yourself out there out of your out of your comfort zone. And I said, the biggest way, instead of sitting here in this pain and this grief, is I'm gonna put myself out there. And so you're right. So I'm gonna have a little fun with it as well. And I said, (laughs) well, if my motto is, you know, if it's not wow, it's not worth doing, what's the most wow way to do a book launch? Well, I didn't have any friends that wrote books. I didn't know what a book launch is supposed to be. Maybe you get, you know, 10 buddies and go to Barnes and Noble and you know secretly put your books on the shelf and act like they store them. <laughs> but I'm like, no, 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 we, we got to do something way bigger and way more global. And I said the most insane thing I could think of was what if I did 52 events in 52 different countries in 52 weeks? And I called it 52 and 52, where I was gonna take a bag of books, go around the world, share this message in one country a week for a year. And it was completely nuts and completely wow. insane. But it was the most joy-filled time of my life where I got to meet some of the most interesting, ridiculous, crazy, fun <laughs> people around the world. And some of these experiences, they, they don't even feel real uh, because – the world's a big place, and sometimes you just have to get out there and see it for yourself uh, to see what all out there. But it was amazing, 52 countries, 52 weeks, and some of the experiences were totally insane along the way.
0: And and in all these countries, you just had people pouring out in the thousands and tens of thousands to show up for for book signings. And Listen, it,
1: the, the, when <laughs> I landed in Kenya, I was so excited because I used to live in Kenya. I spent a year in Kenya at an orphanage. Uh, this is where my first nonprofit started, and I showed up. I'd actually paid this guy $500. I was so excited. It was going to be my first stop back in Africa to, you know, free books. I'm not even going to charge. I just want a packed room, share this message, so excited. I land. I show up. Zero people were there. I mean, when I say zero, I mean literally no one showed up. And it was so actually Hilarious, funny, terrible, but you know, uh, but but it was one of these where it's like sometimes it's just not going to work, right? And and I think two weeks later, I got a call from the New York Yankees, and they're like, "Hey, we do this thing called Yankee University. Gary V was our last speaker, Damon John <laughs> and Barbara Cordell, Cor- Cor- why the Shark Tank people were the ones before. We want you to come back to the U.S. and speak to the Yankees." And I'm like, from zero people in Kenya to the New York Yankees in a matter of two weeks. But that's life. It's like, we're going to get knocked down. We're going to get punched. You know, we're going to feel like we have no idea what we're doing. And we have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. But you get up every single day. And I love it. One of the probably most booked motivation speakers in the world is a lady named Mel Robbins. And her birthday was a couple of weeks ago. And on her birthday, she launched a podcast. So... Good for you, Rob. You already launched your podcast and uh, the business of photography, bop, I love it. <laughs> but it. But she, who's one of the most motivational speakers in the world, her first podcast was titled Motivation is Garbage. I was like, all right, you got me. Click, like, I'm going to obviously watch this. And she's like, because the fact is we're not always going to be motivated. Rarely are we yep. are. But habits, we can create habits. We can create the fact that we're going to get up and we're going to create content before we consume it every morning. Before we Ooh. roll over on the bed and consume, 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 why don't you keep your phone turned off and start creating, creating, creating?
0: Wow. Even as you're saying that, I'm sitting The thing I just heard my, my pastor at my church here in Texas, he posed this question to us. What are you doing with your first look and your last look of the day? because that's going to frame up everything that you experience in between. And I thought, man, how often do I just reach to, like you said, consume content instead of something with much greater purpose than that. I love that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and the idea is if, again, motivation is garbage, if we get the habits of, so habit for me was, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to try to plan an event and get people there. If no one shows up, it's okay. There's another day. There's another week. There's another country. And I'm going to try it, and I'm going to put myself out there. And one of the fears I talk about is the fear of the first step. It's real. Like your first podcast, no offense, Rob, probably awful. Maybe not you because you're you. My first book, (laughs) 10 Seconds of Insane Courage, I think it's pretty good, but it could have been better. You know, the first times, you know, you interview guests, the first time you do a photo shoot, the first time you ask a client for money, the first time you put together a proposal, the first time you try to raise your rates— all these firsts, I tell every team and every audience. I have this one funny thing I've used so long. It's called permission to be awful. <laughs> I go, you <laughs> literally need to give you first and all of your projects second permission to be awful. Wow. And just sit with that, love that, lean into that, and just know that this first one, it's going to be awful. And that's okay because it's going to get me to a little bit better and a little bit better.
0: Man, I love that. I mean, so many thoughts running through my mind that you're just inspiring as I'm listening to this. And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Like the bop wasn't even the first thing that I did. I could go point back to plenty of terrible interviews that I had done, plenty of terrible online things that I had done. We're still learning our way through this. It's getting better with each episode, but I could go all the way back to the, like, I remember getting made fun of for the first interview I ever did, you know, and just thinking like how much progress has come from that point till this one, you know, years ago till now is incredible. And I, as you're talking about this, Garrett, I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? You started from a place of purpose. You had this mission, you had this mission that you were out on to change the world in your own way and inspire and encourage and give courage to people who were needing to find it. how did How did purpose play into this process for you as you were giving yourself permission to be awful?
1: I'll give a great example. One of my favorite heroes in marketing, um, Musa Tariq. So if you're not familiar with him, He's kind of a legend, a young legend in the marketing world where he worked at Burberry and ran marketing. Then he went to Nike. Uh, then he uh, was CMO of uh, Airbnb Experiences. Now he's the CMO of a GoFundMe. Very purpose-driven. He's done, he's done a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and he's like <laughs> younger than I am. Like, great, what what am I doing? But uh, he, he has this great example, and it may be useful. certainly useful for me, but maybe uh, for anyone listening He says, I had a guy come into my office one day and I I have a whiteboard in my office. And the guy uh, takes the marker and puts a a dot on it. He says, describe this whiteboard to me. He's like, well, you know, there's this dot and it's about the size of a quarter, this and that. And he's like, that's what everyone does with life is we see this blank whiteboard, but we always focus on the dot. But Mm. if you look at it, there's actually 99% of white space that really takes up the whiteboard. Wow. And that wow. white space is where all the good stuff happens. Mm. You already know what you know. What are the things you don't know? What are the things you're not leaning into? What are the things you can learn on a YouTube or a TED talk or joining a, you know, a podcast or, you know, signing up for coaching or therapy or anything, right? It's the 99% white space. But in order to lean into the white space, you got to get really still and be really honest. And that's where you find your purpose. Because chances are, if you're just running, 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 you're focusing on that 1% dot. And God's given us this 99% white space to lean into if we're willing to come open-handed into it.
0: Wow. So good. So good, man. Um, Now, Garrett... We fast forward, I I mean, I think you started traveling countries even before your dad issued this challenge to you. You've been on this journey for something like, 20 years now, uh, and you. there's been a lot of crazy adventures along the way. I know somewhere along the way, uh, if you're watching this segment on YouTube, you probably noticed he's got his famous tux on. Uh, in fact, just tell us real quick about the tux. How did the tux become a part of the Garrett G experience?
1: So first of all, it was never supposed to happen, but now it's become part of me. And when I say it was never supposed to happen, I had never known anyone that has been to Antarctica. So seven continents, <laughs> most people can get to six if you try hard. Antarctica's like, what? So I was going to go to Antarctica because I wanted to go to everywhere in the world as part of this journey. And so in order to get to Antarctica, someone was like, you know, Garrett, you're kind of a funny guy, quirky guy. Why don't you do something funny or interesting in Antarctica? I'm like, I'm game, what's interesting? And they're like, You should bring a tuxedo so when you're on the ice in Antarctica, you'll look like the penguins and do a photo shoot. I'm like, oh, that is so good. The problem was I'm so skinny that I needed to buy so many hats, scarves, jackets, gloves, all these things. And I'm going to Antarctica, the coldest place on earth. Well, by the time I had packed everything in my suitcase to stay warm for 10 days in Antarctica, I had no room left for the tuxedo. So as travelers, you know, you always get a carry-on. So I bring a backpack with some magazines and some snacks. I just stuff the tuxedo in my carry-on. Here's where the problem happened. (laughs) To get to Antarctica from Atlanta, or from most places you fly, down to Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina, and then to the city called Ushuaia, the southernmost city in the world. If you're on Jeopardy, it's a good one to know, Ushuaia. But (laughs) by the time I got to Buenos Aires and then the plane went to Ushuaia, they had lost all of my luggage.
0: They had lost
1: every single thing I had for a 10-day journey to Antarctica. And the only thing I had in my possession was a traveling tuxedo. (laughs) (laughs) So for 10 days on the ice with the penguins, every photo I had was in this tuxedo. Not this one. It was like six tuxedos ago. I've had seven over the course of 21 years. But that tuxedo started it all I call it the traveling tux. And there's these tales from the traveling tuxedo. Um, But what I decided to do was it was so funny and everyone laughed so much. And it was such a great icebreaker that I decided to pack this tuxedo in my carry-on for every single country in the world. And I'm talking North Korea and Venezuela. I'm talking Afghanistan, you know, to South Africa, you know, shark cage diving, like, because when you're walking around one of these places, it's an instant what in the world is that? And then you lead with a tuxedo that here's what happened. it breaks the ice, it creates a conversation and allows you to meet and connect with other people, which is what I love most in life.
0: Wow, and I love because you know you talk about this uh red dot versus the whole whiteboard idea and the tux is a great example of this for you because you could have looked at the dot of, oh, I lost my luggage, but instead you looked at the full whiteboard of all the opportunity of how you could leverage what for most people would be a really frustrating, challenging moment and turn it into something that really became part of the whole experience of how you traveled the world and engaged with people along the way. I love that. Uh, so we're, we're talking 21 years now. You just accomplished something that... I think a lot of us, if we're being honest, like to say we want to do one day. Like when somebody asks, what are your life goals? You know, some we'll say we want to do this, but in reality, only a handful of people have ever done. Tell us about this most recent trip you took and what this meant and the significance of all your travels.
1: Yeah, so well, I, I kind of got sidelined because of COVID, right? So I was two years ago, I was ready, I was planned, I had a few countries to go, and then the world shuts down with a pandemic and I'm like, no, I'm five countries away, like, no, no, so, uh, funny enough, I was, I was the first American to get into Venezuela since the pandemic, I was the second American to get into Bhutan, but by going to Bhutan, which is like the happiest country on earth, you have the the monks, and they, you know, they're just these enlightened souls and beautiful people, and, uh, yeah, well, that was not my experience. Bhutan, I'm sure, is amazing. And the the days, but I, I was quarantined for seven days in like a small place. They had never had a tourist. They didn't know what to do with me. And I'm like, I'm trying to get to this record. You're my next to last country. Uh, and so they they did let me out. I think I took like seven COVID tests in seven days or something crazy. And l- l- luckily all negative. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it was funny, and, and I'll say this, because I'm not that uh, physical or... Uh, I'm not that good at hiking, to be honest, is what I'm trying to say. And so <laughs> – and then I'll get to your your final answer. But in Bhutan, it was this, it was this beautiful moment where I was one of – I may have been the only tourist in the entire country. I'd just gone from seven days of being quarantined, which, you know, that was an interesting experience. And they finally let me out. And they're like, hey, the most famous thing you can do is go to this monastery on, that was built on the side of a cliff – guys, I'm really not good at this stuff. They're like, it's like, you know, four hours up, four hours down. I'm like, you know what? I'm here. We got to do this. And it was one of these things of like, all right, 10 seconds of insane courage. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to push myself to get all the way up because it's one of the most beautiful, iconic, I think it should be one of the seven wonders of the world. Um, And on the way up, there were so many times I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit. I'm like, It's too steep. It's too hard. It's too much. And there's so many parallels with life and business and photography, right? Like every day's a struggle. The money's not coming in. The revenue's not where I want it. I'm not making the progress. The metrics aren't there. My Instagram's not exploding. You know, just like every single thing. And I got to this point, honestly, where I where I I genuinely was like, I'm already in the country. I you know like, do I really need to do this? And I and I, I sat down and up walks. This three-legged dog, (laughs) Uh, not a four-legged dog, a three-legged dog. And he just walks up, looks at me straight in the eye, and he just keeps going and he passes me. And I'm like, there is no way I'm letting a three-legged dog pass me on this journey. Garrett, get up, get going. You're going to the finish line.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And I literally, with this three-legged dog in front of me, I think I passed him on the last few steps right at the very end. But but it was someone that came along at the right time. And here's the parallel I want to draw. Someone is willing to come along at the right time to help you. And it may be someone mm. in your inner circle. It may be someone you never meet. It may be a book that you read. It may be a, a group that you join. It may be a therapist that you see. It may be a priest, pastor, rabbi, counselor, teacher, friend, But it always takes somebody by our side to get to where we need to go. Mm. And in that moment, it was a three-legged dog that got me to the very top of that mountain, (laughs) that got me through my next to last country. And in life, it was a a buddy named Trey Humphreys. If you take Africa, there's 54 countries on the continent. You divide it in half, 27, 27. 27 are pretty easy. 27 are insanely dangerous. You're talking about Sierra Leone, where they film Blood Diamond. You're talking about the Congo. You're talking about Mali and Niger and these crazy, you know, war torn countries. You know, you're talking about Libya and Yemen, where there's a $250,000 bounty on your head if you're an American that gets caught being there. I mean, these are really tough places. And I had one friend that came along at the right time and he said, Listen, I know this has been your dream since that conversation with your dad. It is very tough to do these on your own. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And that was a story for travel, but I think the story translates in life. We Mm -hmm. always need someone to go with us. Going alone is tough. Going alone is almost too tough. So I would say whoever you are or wherever you are out there, you don't need 10 friends, you don't even need five, but you do need one you can share your hopes and your dreams and your despairs and your sorrows with because life can be tough but we do need to find that one person to help make it a little bit easier wow Um, so that's my my leadership lesson because i speak in stories (laughs) the fun part of all this was all right now we're at 197 it's taken me 21 years I saved this little country called San Marino, which strategically is right next to Milan, Italy. Big, fun city, big international airport, fashion capital of the world. Super exciting. George Clooney and a Mall Clooney. My dream is to meet a Mall Clooney. Still hasn't <laughs> happened. They live like right above Milan and Lake Como. So I was gonna plan this amazing thing, and I thought if I could get ten friends to come. I mean, first of all, they'd have to come by their flights, by their hotels. Like it's a big ask, right? Um, and I'd seen, a, there are a few people in the world that have done 197 and you know they always have, you know, a few family and friends come. By the time it was said and done, 10 became 25, 25 became 50. I'm like, this is the most insane thing ever, but I love wow experiences. I'm gonna plan the most wow Sinners and Saints, Great Gatsby, Neon Night, you know, Como with the Cloonies, Gold Chain Brunch, where (laughs) I'm from Atlanta, where we started this whole conversation with rap music. We're going to go on Amazon and get big gold chains and have a gold chain brunch and $10 or less, but that's the theme. By the time we were done, we had 73 people fly in around the world. Wow. One of the photographers that had shot for the Nobel Prize and the Guinness Book of World Records was there. But for me, it was a celebration, and I got, there was a moment where I got to step back and watch friends from Afghanistan connect with my friends from Marietta, Georgia, where Rob and I have known each other for over 25 years. And I got to bring all these amazing people together that they now got to meet. They got to connect. And it reminded me of the time at Harvard where it's like, it's great to meet fancy people. It's better to meet everybody. Wow. And I think that, that that I love being a guy that's for everybody. I love underdogs and optimists. I love rule breakers and innovators. But what I love most is people that are just willing to put themselves out there and give themselves a chance to succeed. Mm. And so, for whatever photographers listening or just person in general, if you're too afraid, I've been too afraid. If you've worried about raising your prices, I've been worried about raising prices. If you're worried about taking that first step, I've been afraid of taking that first step. But I've just made a decision that motivation is garbage. Create those habits and create, create, create. And don't stop when it's hard because at some point there's going to be a three-legged dog that's going to come around and help you. (laughs) And whatever metaphor you want to create for yourself. Uh, to get you to where you need to go. And it may be this podcast, it may be this episode, it may be Rob Green himself that is putting himself out there to provide value to his audience. Uh, But it's, it's out there and it's yours for the taking if you're willing to have those 10 seconds of insane courage.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk a little about the book, Ten Seconds of Insane Courage, because man, like you said, there are we we have this is actually a big part of why I was excited to have you on the BOP, not the push-up story, believe it or not. Um, but I we do we have a lot of photographers who listen to this podcast who are in that part-time wanting to go full-time phase of things and and needing that courage, needing that permission to get out there, to try something, to take a risk, to take a chance, to go for this thing that's this dream in their heart. Maybe we, the best place to start would just be, how do you define, like, what is courage?
1: So courage is a big word, and we think of big heroes. I like to break it down and keep it a lot simpler. It's just facing fear and, in my opinion, taking the first step. Mm. So we're all going to face fear. Can you take the first step? And I think taking the first step comes back to one question. And I, I start my book with a simple question. Is playing it safe holding you back?
0: Wow. Just let that sit for a second. Say, say that one one more time for the people that were multitasking.
1: <laughs> Is playing it safe holding you back? And just sit with that and be honest with yourself are the fears that you're facing basically playing it safe, holding you back. And let me be the first one who wrote the book say, absolutely, right? (laughs) A hundred percent. It's a universal yes in every heart, soul, and spirit around the world. And I I can uniquely talk about it because I've Step foot in every country around the world. (laughs) And and if you think, oh, I'm the only one. No, you're the everyone. Because playing it safe is holding all of us back. And so first is just defining and realizing that fear is something that's universal. Courage is something we can all do. It's Courage is simply facing fear and taking the first step. Wow. Now what you do with that how you do it now that's there's a lot of stuff that goes into that right but but typically there's a, 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 a there are eight fears that I've found that hold us all back but the first one's the fear of the unknown typically right. when we don't know something we don't do something universal fact right like that's okay but is there a third door is it really only option A and B is it really only I I do part-time or I do full-time. Or is it really I go all in or I do nothing? No, of course not. Like, there's nuance to everything, right? And I call it, you know, what's behind door number three? Like, what if you did decide that, you know, for the first hour every morning, I'm not consuming, I'm creating. Mm. And I'm going to do that for 30 straight days. And I'm going to create, 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 create so much. And after 30 days, let's see where I'm at.
0: Wow. You know? I love and, how practical and, and, and tangible that is too.
1: Right. Well, and because I've been around a lot of leadership speakers who are horrible, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, and that's the thing. It's like, we talk about like motivation, you know, to your point about motivation being garbage. Like I, I like to say that motivation without a plan is just a pep talk. And like, Pep talks are nice, but they don't get anything done. So I, lo- I love the how practical and usable that is of just like, hey, first hour of my day, I'm going to get up and I'm going to create instead of consume. Like what that would do over 30, you're talking now you've got 30 hours of creation under your belt that you wouldn't have had otherwise. That's so tactile and tangible in moving the ball forward for somebody that's feeling stuck. I love that.
1: Yeah, and I'll give you another one. So the guy I sat next to at uh, Harvard I thought it was like this simple guy from Utah, just kind of like soft-spoken, um, and I, I, I sat next to this guy every single day. I studied with this guy, like, and I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I know there's some of this guy. Turns out the guy owns like a yacht, a private plane, he's probably worth $300 million. I'm like, I had, I had no clue. He's just like a simple Midwestern guy, and I never knew until years later. And he gave me this one piece of advice, practical, practical advice. He's like, every Sunday, same thing. Take that hour instead of creating, he's like, plan. And he's like, and what I want you to do, he's like, hold yourself accountable. He's like, hashtag this thing called every Sunday. He's like, literally, I just want a piece of paper in one hour. He's like, and if you do this, he's like, you literally one hour on a Sunday, you write out what you want to do for the week and you do it over and over and over. And you create a separate journal for just that. But well, the, wow. the measuring stick is you got to take a picture of it, put it on Instagram, and hashtag every Sunday. Because what's going to happen is your followers and your friends and your your people are going to start asking about it. Then they're going to start holding you accountable for it. And then if you skip wow. a Sunday, everyone's going to know.
0: Mmm, that's good. That's good, <laughs> man. Goodness gracious.
1: There's another one I, I call, it, you know, the fear of letting go. So I call it the baboon and the bushman. Uh, it's a story from Sudan where uh, if you don't know anything about baboons, not that we should, uh, they always know where water is. And so bushmen are always looking for water. Baboons have a natural sense, but baboons are attracted to salt. So what they do is really National Geographic stuff here, but they they create what's called a salt trap where... Uh, the, the Bushmen uh, in Africa, mainly in Sudan where these baboons are, they'll, they'll create a, a thing of a small circle in the ground, and they'll just put a bunch of salt in there. And baboons are attracted to salt, so the baboons will come, and they'll stick their hand in this hole, and they'll try to grab the salt. Well, the salt makes your hand actually bigger in size, and, and you, can't, you, you can't get your hand out. Now, if the baboon's smart, he drops the salt, moves his hand and runs away, doesn't get captured. Baboon's not smart, just like we are. Sometimes we keep holding on to something that's not good for us to the point where the baboon, because he won't let go, gets put in a cage. The bushman feeds him the salt. If you ever had salt, what happens? You're thirsty. Open the cage. Baboon runs straight to the water. They both drink till they're full. Hmm. Baboon would have never got caught if he had just let go of the thing that he wanted so badly. It's like, are you holding on to something right now that's going to get you caught in the future? Wow. And that can be a lot of things. But in that example, it's the, the fear of letting go. And oftentimes, the best things are the things that we oftentimes need to let go of. Wow. Um, so the fear that I'm not good enough—that's just imposter syndrome. Google it; we all have it. <laughs> um, that's an easy one. I mean, I, I could I could expand on these, but we all know that one. Um, the the fear of not having enough. Funny thing is, it's there's never going to be enough. Like enough, mm-hmm. enough. It's you go to five countries, you want to go to fifty. You go to hundred countries, you want to go to all of them. Like like, there's these things. It, it's got to be really mission driven. Yeah, I mean, You see the, the the greatest brands, they really stand for something. Uh, yeah, the greatest leaders that you really want to follow. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about servant leadership. Uh, Robert Greenleaf coined the term in the 80s, but basically it's the idea of a simple question like, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? And you have two types of bosses, bosses that are yelling and telling, yelling and telling, yelling and telling. Mm. The great ones are the ones that, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Had a great opportunity for the last 10 years to work with Chick-fil-A and help create their Chick-fil-A Leader Academy, a a leadership training program all about servant leadership because what does Chick-fil-A genuinely care about? They want to be the most caring company in the world. Mm. And it shows through. It shows through in their training, shows through in the drive-through, shows through in, I don't know if this is true or not, but if you happen to get $6.66 as you're changed, they're like, nah, that's the devil's work." We'll give you an extra penny to make it six <laughs> sixty-seven. I don't know if that's true, but it should be. Um, but, but they're mission-driven, right? And so I, I think the, the fear of not having enough comes down to having enough of what you actually need, and that's purpose. That's yeah. purpose, right? So you get clear on that whiteboard. You focus on that 99%. You, you, stillness is the key, and, and you can drive it. Um, I, I think there's another one that we need to be honest with, like the the fear. I call it affirmation nation. Like we live in this world where it's like, I'm now that the Instagram algorithms changed. I'm gonna be the first. Like I don't even know what to post anymore. Like mm. I'm supposed to be posting a reel because that's what's trending. But now I need to do TikTok <laughs> and TikTok's more trending than Instagram. And then now there's YouTube Shorts. But then there's Facebook's now. You know, I'm like, wait. I, I used to get so much joy out of just. Posting things and writing things, posting things and writing things. But now it's turned into the society of like this affirmation nation where if you don't get enough likes, we used to just delete the post. Now, if you don't get enough likes, you hide the like count. It's like, let's just be honest. We all do it. Like, we all second guess ourselves. Is the filter right? Am I smiling? Is this a good angle? I, I mean, like, We've gotten to this point (laughs) where it's like we don't even create content anymore. We don't even put ourselves out there because of the fear of disappointing others and acknowledging that and saying, but we're never going to get discovered either Mm. unless we put ourselves out there, which goes back to the fear of the first step, which goes back to the practical permission to be awful, permission to be awful, permission to be awful. Um, And I think that the biggest one is, the universal one that I that end with is the fear of failure. Mm. And I like to say that the, the tagline for that is it's never forever. It's never forever. Like think of all the things you failed at and all the things I've failed at. I've failed it.
0: It's a long classes. list for, for me. I don't know about you.
1: <laughs> I mean, everything, right? Like if you've ever failed at a relationship, congratulations, you're still here. You ever failed at a business, congratulations, you're still here. You ever failed at, you know, losing your luggage and ending up in a tuxedo on a random day, you're still here. You know, you ever like we've all failed it so much, and guess what? It's never forever. The problems you had five years ago are probably the dreams that you wish you would have accomplished looking back now. Mm. It's like you your your current self like it could go back and like whisper in the ear of yourself five years ago or 10 years ago, that person would be so happy. But now what we're doing is we're we're complaining about the failures that we've had because of the person that we're not going to be five or 10 years in the future. It's like, do we ever just give ourselves a break and say, you know what? Like we're all struggling here. We're all Mm -hmm. trying here. None of us have it figured out. Like I'm the first one. I think that's why, you know, going to all these countries and doing all these things, maybe there was like a a little bit of a groundswell because I'm just the first one to be honest. I don't have it figured out. I don't know what's next after 197. (laughs) I don't want to go to space. I don't want to go to the bottom of the ocean and I don't know what's next, but it goes back to a whiteboard and a dot in the middle and looking at the 99% around it and saying, okay, there's something out there for me. I got to face these fears I got to have this courage. I got to realize that motivation is garbage. I got to create, not consume. I got to give myself permission to be awful. I got to do it one hour a day for 30 days. I got to hold myself responsible for every Sunday, even though I hate it. And I got to get going. And I need to listen to podcasts like this and follow leaders like Rob and uh, put myself in a position to succeed because, as Steve Jobs famously said, you will only ever be able to connect the dots in your life backwards. So Mm. get as many dots as you can, and one day you'll realize that they all connect in some way.
0: And and it's going to be so worth it. Uh, And I mean, you're living proof of not, not only how everything you want is on the other side of all these fears that we're facing, but really even so much more than you can even imagine. Like, I know for you, one, so many of these stories you're telling were not stories you set out to tell. They were things that happened along the way that have become part of your story and a key part of who you are and who you've become. And you've had way more than you could have ever thought would have happened on the front end of this. Like, even just this past summer, you know, you wound up a few years ago, you wound up along this journey meeting an absolutely amazing woman uh, along the way. And y'all just got married this past summer in typical Garrett wow fashion. What was, what was that like?
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I walk around in like, you know, colorful slippers and a tuxedo, right? Like who's going to marry me? Probably (laughs) someone that wears something exactly like that because it's like you attract what you attract, right? It's like, there's a famous word. It's like, Rare birds attract what? Rare birds, birds right? <laughs> and so it's like, I mean, you know, I, and the only reason I met her was because I was in Iceland with a group of buddies wearing this tuxedo, acting like I was a tour guide to let the waterfalls and glaciers explode every minute on the minute. I'm not a tour guide. I made that up. Everyone was laughing, but I was a guy <laughs> in a tuxedo a group of Brazilian flight attendants came over, were talking to my buddies. I wasn't that interested, and they're like, oh my gosh, but we have a Brazilian flight attendant that dresses like you, acts like you, is crazy like you, and because I was me dressing like this, acting crazy, it attracted rare birds attract rare birds. And we were the two most rare birds ever, and instead of just getting married, we had a backwards wedding. What the heck's a backwards wedding? Well, it started with a plane flight proposal on the Delta flight on the way to our wedding. So I, got, I was officially engaged less days than Kim Kardashian. I was, <laughs> I was engaged for less than 24 hours, proposed at 30,000 feet. Luckily, I had a good relationship with Delta, having traveled all around the world. We land 24 hours later. We get married. Short story. I asked my dad one thing before he passed away, which was to write a letter to my future wife because I knew Mm. he wouldn't be there one day on my wedding. Wow. And as fate, luck, or the good Lord above would have it, in Kauai, Hawaii, where we got married, there was a, a boat, and it was called Captain Andy's. My dad's name was Andy, Andy Graveson. And I said, how poetic to rent out that boat. We only had 10 people at our wedding, very small, and have my brother read that letter from Andy on Captain Andy's boat on the day of our wedding. And it was the most meaningful thing ever because he knew he wouldn't be there. But in some sense, in a big sense, he was there. And so from being engaged for 24 hours to a wedding and then uh, a boat with my dad's essentially name on it, we then did... The bachelor and bachelorette parties the next two days. <laughs> Again, after the wedding. And then we did a formal wedding dinner reception a week later back in Atlanta because we couldn't invite all of our friends to Hawaii. So I mean, but the thing is, it's, it's, that's who I've always been. Yeah. You know, it's it's not gimmicky or gamey. It's I genuinely dress up and act silly and love wow experiences and events. I'd love to, you know. What's the next career move for me? I'd love to work for a big challenger, innovative, in-your-face, disruptive brand, disruptive experience, disruptive event company, disruptive consulting. Like people that disrupt and are looking at life for the other 99% of that whiteboard, I love. And I Mm. love sharing that message to have those 10 seconds of insane courage to do it do it with a wedding, do it with a relationship, do it with a business, do it with a podcast, do it with every aspect of your life. And I can only say it through experience, good things happen and they're always going to be unexpected and they're never going to fit on your timeline. They're going to fit on some other timeline. They're going to fit in some unique way and you're never going to know, but you owe it to yourself to create, 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 put yourself out there Give yourself the opportunity to get discovered in whatever world that is, relationships, business, or life, and go for it. But it's going to take those 10 seconds of insane courage to face those fears and have that courage to do it.
0: Wow. Good, gracious. Talk about a story coming full circle, man. um, I, I can only imagine what was going through your heart and mind hearing that letter that he had written for you. That must have been unbelievable. And we've got a lot of wedding photographers listening to this podcast that are all grabbing for the Kleenex, having heard that story, I'm quite sure. Man, Garrett, uh, gosh, thanks so much for coming on today and just sharing from your heart with us. Uh, If people want to follow along your journey, where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Tell us how to stay in touch.
1: Yeah, the easiest way, I post a lot on Instagram, so let's start there. It's just GG Worldwide. (laughs) Shocking there, (laughs) doing all that stuff. (laughs) But I also have a website with free resources. If you feel like you're stuck right now, there's eight steps to getting unstuck immediately. Free resource, type in your email. It's on my website, Uh, That's Garrett, two R's, two T's, and Gravesen, G-R-A-V-E-S-E-N. So garrettgravesen.com. Get a free resource. Uh, I think it can help everybody. It certainly helped me. Um, and follow along the journey, follow Rob's podcast, follow me on Instagram, and uh, tell your friends if they're looking for a little motivation or need that courage, um, you can go on Amazon right now, and it's just the number 10, 10 seconds of insane courage. It's a pretty good book. (laughs) I think so, and I think it definitely uh, helps anyone who's stuck or looking for a little bit of advice to get going again.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. We'll get all these links in the show notes for this episode. So if you're looking for any of these things, you'll find them in the show notes. Garrett, thank you so much for coming on. In fact, Garrett, you want to give away, we'll give away a copy of your book to a listener who shares this pod episode of the podcast on their Instagram story and tags us. Absolutely. Let's let's make it even bigger. Let's give
1: out 10 of these for 10 seconds of insane courage. So if you're a uh, 10 listeners, however you want to do it, Rob, but we'll give away 10 free books. I'll uh I'll send them to you and you can get it out to everybody.
0: I love it. Hey, because if it's not wow, it's not worth doing, right? So here, here's, how this is, <laughs> here's how this is going to work. It, when you listen to this episode, post a screenshot of the Bop podcast and share it on your Instagram story and tag at square eight studio and tag at GG worldwide. And I will be saving all of those that tag us and we will do a drawing and give away 10 copies of Garrett's book to our listeners. Garrett, thank you. you so much for coming on today. Uh, And guys, if you've been listening to this and you're like, man, I have so many questions right now, uh, we're actually going to do just a follow-up bonus episode with Garrett, just taking listener questions. So um, if you want to ask a question to Garrett, jump on my Instagram at Square8Studio and send me an audio message with your name, where you're calling from, and your questions, and we'll record a bonus episode uh, down the road featuring all of your questions about courage, about step step out about overcoming fears and uh, we'll just, we'll cover them all. So Garrett, thanks so much. That's it for this episode of The Bop. Be sure to tune in next month when my friends Heather and Jamie from the Conquer community join us to talk about the value of community. You heard Garrett talking today a little bit about why it's so important not to go it alone and have people around you. Heather and Jamie have been fostering an incredible community now for quite some time and have really seen the value of this in their life and business and want to help photographers like you do just the same. So that's it for this episode of The Bop. Until next time, keep learning, keep loving, and keep chasing those dreams you were made for.